I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Today, we're talking about Christmas stories. I got a story for you today. Uh, but first, have you been more naughty or nice? <laughs> You're running off quick. Well, this is the week before Christmas, right? The week before, when restless shepherds were probably complaining, nothing exciting ever happens to us. Why'd we settle for being shepherds? It's the week before when a missing star, you recall as part of the story, left otherwise wise men lost and asking, uh, where do we go now? All right, it's the week before. It's the week before, and a very, very pregnant and despairing Mary riding a very bouncy donkey on a very bumpy road to a very crowded, tiny town was probably thinking, this is God's big plan? This is God's big plan. It's the week before Christmas when a distracted innkeeper was calculating, hmm, if business keeps up like this, I could rent out that shed. <laughs> well, whether you are restless, lost, despairing, or just distracted, welcome to the week before Christmas. You're among friends who understand, starting at the top. So, have you been good little boys and girls compared to Jesus? First service, somebody said yes. Somebody said yes. I said, compared to Jesus, he said, ouch. <laughs> so good. Uh, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because of your partnership in the gospel, the good news. Be confident, okay? Be confident of this. Not just of anything. Be confident of this. That he who began a good work in you, you, and us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, whether that's you going there or him coming here. Thing is, there's only the one, only the one who ever made it to the truly nice list on his own merit. The Alpha and Omega beginning and end, A to Z. And we're his kids. We're his children. That's what we're called. We're called his children. And in 1 Corinthians 13, <clears throat> the love chapter the Apostle Paul pinned this, what I'm calling Christmas classic, saying, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, but I, but I thought we were his children. Oh, yeah, but he wants you to grow up. But not in all ways. Because later, Paul clarified, you may not know this, Later, Paul clarifies in another letter that he does not want us to lose the innocence of childhood. So, yes, do not be children in your thinking, you know, grow up. Yet, in evil, you know, and all forms, be infants. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in those moments when we're doing it right, <laughs> in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom 
you appear, just like that star. No, you, you appear as lights in the world down here. If, that is, you're holding fast the word of life. And if so, then as a result, we are no longer to be children in our thinking, speaking ignorantly and lashing out childishly, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in, in all aspects into him who is the head of the body of Christ of which we are members, even Christ. Well, Christmas is a time for stories. I mean, as you never, go look at the, the, the I'm gonna say the, the video shelf, but I'm going back in time, I guess. That's not really a thing anymore. Uh, lots and lots of Christmas stories. Obviously, the, the Christmas story, first and foremost. But also, every one of us in this room has a bunch. Each of us has our own Christmas stories. Good and bad, right? But I wonder if you've ever noticed how the good ones, you know, those Christmas stories from your past, the good ones capture an important aspect of the good news. And you see, here's why. See, we cannot comprehend the mysterious, enigmatic, eternal joy of home. So God grants us little joys down here, not as a substitute, but as a sample, like at Costco. He's like, oh, wait till you get home. It is such a surprise because I didn't even make your brain capable of getting it. But then you step on the other side and you have a new mind and understanding and there it is. And so now we're children that are to grow up in, in the right ways. When I was a child, I got to sample great joy each Christmas. I had a great childhood, so I got to sample great joy each Christmas uh, especially at a big old family gathering at my Grandpa Ray's drafty old two-story house in Cedar Woolley, right next to the railroad tracks. Boy, you knew when the train went by. And it had a very mysterious front door in this high-ceilinged uh, foyer, uh, unheated, cold, by way of a six-panel door right off the living room. It was mysterious. It was enigmatic because nobody ever used it. Never used the front door. We went to Grandma and Grandpa's. You followed a dirt path to the back porch into Grandma's kitchen, which was always a fragrant potpourri of Presto logs, Pall Malls, bacon grease, and Tony home hair perms. <laughs> and there's me, my cousin, and there's my grandma getting a perm, her rainier on the table where it always was. Presto logs, uh, they still sell them. I went and bought a bundle just so I could smell them again. They're odorless now. Yeah, they're odorless now. I looked it up. So I found that in the mid-60s, they off-gassed an enchanting aroma of sawdust and formaldehyde. <laughs> and we'd go in and we'd hurry to either the wood stove or the oil stove, shivering cold because we couldn't wear coats, no matter how cold it was because it was too hard to remove the cigarette smoke. Leave the coat in the car. You can't get the cigarette smoke out. Which, by the way, had patinaed the snow white asbestos ceiling tiles to a comforting amber. <laughs> and Grandma Mom, that's what we called her, Grandma Mom would sit at her chrome and formica table playing KBRC bingo, and I would sit on her lap, I remember this like it was yesterday, I'd sit on her lap mesmerized 
by her bubble lights. Bubble lights, just these, these little glass tubes filled with methylene chloride, which was the perfect toxin because of its very low boiling point. And she strung them all along her wood-framed kitchen window, which had been hermetically sealed from layer upon layer of lead-based paint. <laughs> Call me sentimental, but I miss it all. I miss it all. And Grandma Mom would tell me stories. She loved to make up stories for me. And she would tell me stories about the naughty boy from the wrecking yard, which I loved because he was so naughty. And also, coincidentally, as most of you know, I lived in a wrecking yard. What are the odds? What are the odds? OK, back the front door. Now, you have to understand, the front door had a metal doorbell box that was mounted on the inside, physically connected to a non-electrical mechanical button on the outside. So you pushed for ding, and then you let go for clung, because it just kind of went ding clung, <laughs> ding clung. Uh, and the thing is, it only rang on Christmas Eve. It's the only time it rang. And when it did, ding clung, it meant that Santa was dropping off gifts on the front porch. But the old house had settled so as to cause the six panel door to the foyer to stick really bad. So you really had to pull on that glass doorknob to get it to pop and shudder open, which was a problem on Christmas Eve when the bell rang. Because by the time we got to the front door to find a few gifts, there'd be no sign of St. Nick. And this would repeat throughout the night until everyone had their gifts. We'd be distracted by a lucky cousin's Hot Wheels and ding clung and we'd scream, jump up. And who keeps shutting the six panel door? People. But always there next to the door was Uncle Joe to help us, to slowly help us open it. Come on, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, my sweetest uncle, soft-spoken. He was married to Bobo, not her real name. <laughs> soft-spoken Uncle Joe. Not so much Uncle Phil. Soft-spoken, gentle <laughs> Uncle Phil. He is a tough guy. Oh, Phil is a tough guy. Stocky, curly black hair, clove gum, peppery cologne, his shirt always generously unbuttoned to showcase gold chains against hairy tan skin. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> and though, and though I'm pretty sure Uncle Phil was not filled with methylene chloride, he was colorful with a very low boiling point. Lovable Uncle Joe always called me Brucey. No matter how old I got, Brucey. Whereas Uncle Phil, he liked to call me, hey, there he is. <laughs> now, to be fair, we only saw Uncle Phil once or twice a year because he lived in another state, Seattle. <laughs> so this one Christmas, Uncle Phil had gone out for some fresh air. Uncle Joe was helping in the kitchen. And the six-panel door did not get shut. So when that bell rang, ding clong, we were there in a flash, jerked open that front door, caught Santa, caught Santa placing the gifts, and uh, well, he just looked up at us and stood back and roared, ho, ho, ho! And we slammed that door in sheer terror and ran back into the living room, screaming. And he followed us. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. 
And he sat down on Grandma's Lowry organ bench and called us one by one by name. That's me making the apprehensive approach. <laughs> now, as incredible as Uncle Joe really was, Santa had him beat hands down. Bigger than life, dressed in red and white, loud, jubilant. And he kneeled down and he spoke with such kindness and tenderness and love that I forgot my fears. And so I approached and he asked if I'd been a good boy. And I nodded yes, but I knew it wasn't true. Now I don't remember some pieces of this. People have had to tell me this story, and oh, they have. And so I nod, I knew it had been a good boy, but I knew it wasn't true, because deep down, I'll tell you, I knew I was the naughty boy in Grandma's stories. I mean, the woman made no effort to hide it. Her stories were always just retellings of things I'd gotten in trouble for just a few days earlier. <laughs> I'm a little slow that way, so, so yes, I've been a good boy. And apparently then, I stopped nodding and shook my head no. <laughs> and Santa roared with laughter and took me in his arms and held me for a perfect moment longer than expected as if to put an exclamation point on his love. And even though we both knew that I deserved coal, I got incredible edibles. You can make worms and spiders and eat them. <laughs> and that is the gospel in a nutshell. And you all have a similar, well, maybe not all, but most have a similar story. It's just like the good news of that first Christmas. These are little samples. God desires to give you grace. Not because you're good enough, but because you're loved enough. When I was a child, I could not grasp the significance of our Savior's sacrificial death satisfying the penalty of my sin. Nor could I imagine the relief that would come as, a, as an adult from having the burden of guilt and shame lifted from my shoulders as I'm cleansed. And forgiven. But I knew, I knew we were celebrating Jesus' birth. And I knew that crimson, red, and pure white were the two most beautiful colors together ever. And I knew that I was welcome to sit on the lap of a frightening, all-knowing, bigger-than-life personification of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, who desired, actually desired to give me gifts I hadn't earned and deep down knew I didn't deserve. And I also knew that he had to be approached. You had to draw near, like with the Lord. As you can see in the picture, I want the gift, right? I'm just not so sure I want the giver because I wasn't sure what would happen once he got a hold of me, you know, like with the Lord. When I was a child, I thought as a child, but now I am a man, and I've put most childish ways behind me, <laughs> but now I'll tell you, it is with certainty of spirit and strong scriptural foundation of faith that I can appreciate more fully the, per 
perfect pairing of the scarlet red and the holy white of the Savior whose birth we celebrate. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Got to be like kids in the right ways. For as the prophet Isaiah was told to write, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, see he knows, they shall be like wool. Why? Because Jesus takes away the shameful stain of sin, if you let him, and the sting of death, if you let him, by a crimson sacrifice, and then wraps us up in the purity of his own white-as-light holiness. He desires to give us forgiveness and mercy that we haven't earned and don't deserve but we must approach him, must draw near, must come ever closer. So maybe today, wherever you are, maybe it's your day to put childish ways behind and really begin to reason together with our Father Christmas. Because one day, his trumpet will call each of us by name before his throne and though I cannot fathom the tone, I trust it'll generate in all who long for his appearing the childlike emotions of that old doorbell. Grandpa and Grandma, long gone now. Long gone, called home. As are Uncle Joe and Uncle Phil, all gone. That drafty old house was sold years ago, and the owners installed an evil, energy-efficient front door. And they just threw the old one out in the yard. And somebody actually stole the old doorknob, the old doorbell, I should say, the old doorbell right off of the thing. Must have been the naughty boy from the wrecking yard. <laughs> because somehow it ended up on a shelf in my office. And I got to tell you this, to me, right here, is the very sound of Christmas and gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Ding, clong. <laughs> oh. Our pastor steals. <laughs> It was his Christmas confession. <laughs> Don't worry, I have more stolen items on my shelf. <laughs> I'll bring another one out. I was just showing the staff. I go, oh, I forgot I stole this. <laughs> oh, so here's the tragedy I have not shared. There was a tragedy that night. Helped balance things out, I guess. The entire thing took place while Uncle Phil was out getting some fresh air. Missed the whole thing. We felt so bad for Uncle Phil, because he would have loved Santa. My goodness, they both chewed clove gum. Both wore peppery cologne. 
Who knows, Uncle Phil might have been inspired to act more like him if he'd only been there to see him in action. Heart of gold. He came back in just after Santa left. Hey, there he is. <laughs> My Uncle Phil. Pops grabbed me first service. I was walking down. He goes, he goes, man, Uncle Phil was rough, dude, wasn't he? I said, yeah, he sure was. He says, we No, I can't tell that story. We're on, never mind. I'll tell you in the back. I don't want to embarrass anyone. Anyway, Pops had the uh, great pleasure uh, to lead Uncle Phil to the Lord later in life. See, we're all wounded, though. We're all wounded. We all fall short. But deep down, we also desire to be just like our Father. Because we were created in his image. And therefore, we just can't help but reflect his nature in our good stories. Something of him is in you. And that's why you are worthy of his love and sacrifice and salvation. Even in the midst of your sins and struggles and dysfunctional grabs at ordinary goodness. Salvation has nothing to do with who's naughty or nice. And everything to do with who surrenders whatever little they have to follow the only lamb who became a shepherd. A list of his own, by the way, the lamb's book of life. And it is filled with those on the naughty list who know it and acknowledge it, and then give it to him as a free will Christmas gift. What some people want for Christmas, right? That's what he wants. But you know, those who trust in their own goodness haven't yet really compared their little light to the light that came into the world. In fact, there is a crucial advantage to knowing that you're on the naughty list. Because that's when we're most likely to wise up and stop trusting in ourselves and turn to our Savior. You know what the self-righteous nice disliked most about Christ? The awfully naughty company he kept. But Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy, you know, the nice and healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, right? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Merry Christmas, everybody. That is crazy incredible. You know why he only came to save sinners and no one else? <laughs> because one, they're the only ones who need saving. And two, well, that's all there is. There's only the one. And he came to save the rest. I mean, that's all there is. Just look at your neighbor. If you want some proof. <laughs> There's no one righteous when the standard is Jesus. Not even one. Just the one promised son of God and man. Turns out the creator of the universe isn't about to stamp out nice religious cookie cutter kids. Not into it. Nope. He is into redeeming the restless, the lost, the despairing, and the distracted. 
and then holding us in his embrace till you really feel the exclamation point of his love. So, as the Apostle Paul said, thank God for his son. A gift too wonderful for words. So let's pray. Father God, as we continue to worship you, we are oh so grateful for the truly unfathomable, indescribable gift of your son for our sin. Holy Spirit, inspire us to put away the childish things and empower us to speak truth in love and to grow up in all aspects into your image. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for redeeming us and covering us with your holiness. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.